You're listening to a Cripple and Co. production. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Friends, I am so excited to be working with my friends at Clona Willy. They are an amazing, amazing company. They are do-it-yourself or dildo-it-yourself molding kit company where you can create your own mold of a penis or mold of a vulva so you can create your own sex toy at home. That's really, really cool, and I think it's really, really accessible for a lot of folks, too. They're, they, their materials are ethically sourced. They're really, really, really awesome. They're always there to help. I'm so excited about this company, and I love that I still get to work with them. So if you want to create your own pussy or penis mold at home so you can create your own sex toy, if you go if you go to clonawilly.com and use the code darkpod20 at checkout, you can get 20% off everything site-wide. They also have a penis pump for those of you that might be interested, which you can get at 20% off if you use the code darkpod20 right now at checkout. I really, really love this company, and I really, really love everything they're trying to do. So if you want to create your own do-it-yourself molding kit to create your own Pussy or penis mold, please go to clonawilly.com and use code darkpod20 at checkout. Thanks, friends. Bye. Hey there, friends. It's your disabled. Well, well, let's try that out again. Hey there, friends. It's your favorite disabled person on the internet. Hello, it's Andrew Gerza here, very quickly popping in to say that on top of this amazing podcast that you listen to every other week, I want to let you know of a new little side hustle that I have created for myself, and I wanted to invite you to partake in if you so choose. One of the things that I do for my family every year on their birthdays is I sing them a Marilyn Monroe-type happy birthday song. kind of goes like this. Happy birthday to you happy birthday okay you get the idea so it's like that and I I decided to do it for sale and I wanted to send you all a sexy breathy Marilyn Monroe-esque birthday message or any kind of message that you want, whether it be inspirational, whether it be motivational, whether it be a funny message for me. So I would love to invite you, if you wanted to get a unique, fun gift for yourself or for someone else, you can pop over to paypal.com, sorry, paypal.me, paypal.me slash Andrew Gerza, and give me 10 bucks, and I'll send you a hilarious message, gift for your friends, for yourself, for whoever you like. And if you want me to do it in a breathy Marilyn Monroe voice, I will do that for you. But I just thought I would throw this out on the podcast and offer that to you. So send me an email at andrew at andrewgerzo.com 
and let me know if you want it, what kind of message you want, and I will make that for you right here in my home studio from your favorite disabled person, me, Andrew Gerza. Thanks, friends. Get yours today. Bye. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled, we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends, and thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I am, of course, your deliciously delectable disabled host, your sexy, severely disabled host. Let us get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get today started, shall we? I don't think I've talked about it too much on the podcast, but I've started more regularly using the term severely disabled to describe myself, and I really, I'm starting to really like that term, because I'm understanding for myself that as my disability changes and as my needs change, severely disabled just feels really good, and so I've been talking about it a lot on social media, but not so much here. So yeah, to describe my experience of cerebral palsy and being unable to walk and unable to get myself a glass of water and unable to scratch my back when I want to and unable to go to the bathroom and all these things, I've started using severely disabled. And I just, I like it because it just lays out exactly what my experience is and it feels really good. So that's a term that I've been using for myself. I wouldn't put it on any other disabled person, but that's kind of how I feel about it. So... I've been talking about it a lot more because I think that population also doesn't get talked about ever and doesn't get discussed. So you'll hear me talk about severely disabled more. I might do a whole episode on why I think severely disabled fits for me um, because it is something that I've just been trying out more for myself. And the more and more I use it for me, the more and more it fits. So if you're out there and you're severely disabled... Um, I see you, and you're supported. But now, let's get to the show. Just before we get to the guest today, if you want to be on the show, please send me an email to andrewandandrewgerzo.com and tell me a little bit about yourself, tell me a little bit about your disability experience. I would love to have you on. So send me an email, and we'll get you as a guest on the show. On the show today, I talked to my friend Beck Brock, who tells me about their experience with a traumatic brain injury and how that changed their life. Um, And we have a whole big discussion about that. We talk about losing friendships. We talk about ableism in the education system. We talk about so much in this interview. And it was really, really interesting to hear Beck talk about how when we see when we see like certain things around traumatic brain injury or comas on television, it's so different than it is in real life, and we talk about all that. Beck talks about how they had to learn how to breathe again and, and so many different things. We talk about a lot of stuff in this one. It was a really, really fun interview. 
So, we're going to get to it right now. So, without further ado, here's my interview with my friend, Beck Brock, about all about traumatic brain injury, right here on Disability After Dark. Beck Brocklebank. Oh, am I saying your whole name? Uh, you can, doesn't matter. Cool, I just Go did. For it. Yeah, cool. Beck Brocklebank. That's me. Hey, Beck, how's it going? I'm good, thanks, Andrew. How are you? Good. Such a pleasure to have you on the show. For the first time, we recorded an episode like a year and a half ago, and was it? Yeah, yeah I think it was so. a while. It was when I it was like, I had just come out then. Wow, wow. So you're still new to everything. I like our last interview. I like. I think it was within days that I had realized I was non-binary. Wow, cool. Welcome to the club. Hello, how are you? Thank you. Happy to be in this club. Did you get your non-binary stickers in the mail? Because they should come. I have not received those yet. We need, we, we um, need to talk to the non-binary I'll talk to problem. whoever the coordinator. I don't know who it is, but I'll talk to them. We're like, what's going on? <laughs> um, anyway, hello. Thank you for being on the show for the first time for the listeners. Thank you so much for being here. It's such a pleasure to sit down with you again. Um, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Okay. Hi, everybody. My name is Beck. I just use the last name Brock. I'm Beck Brock. Um, I'm... It sounds so cool. It sounds like a like detective name, Beck Brock, or like a model name or something. I love it so much. Like my whole life. I, I'd never liked my name, and then I came out, and suddenly I was Beck Brock, and I was like, this is the best! It's so cool! It screams like, I'm the coolest, look at me! Awesome! I'll take it, because I'm not cool at all. I mean, me either, so, yeah. Anyway, to visualize, I am um, a female presenting, I have about shoulder-length brown hair, I wear brown kind of like rounded square glasses. I am, my skin is white. Uh, that's me. Thank you for the visual description because I often forget about all about doing that. And then to make the podcast more accessible, thank you for reminding me that, I, that we have to do that. Um, you, <laughs> when I said, Tell me the things you want to talk about. I'm looking at, um, I'm looking at like your form. There's so many things we could go down here. But the first question I want to ask all my guests, and I want to learn from you, can you tell me a little bit about what your disabilities are and how they impact your day to day life? Okay, so my main diagnosis is a traumatic brain injury. I was in a car accident eight years ago. Now it was eight years ago. And um, it caused a coma. And then recovering from a coma, it's not like they pretend it is on TV. It's years and years of, like, therapy. I had to learn how to walk. I had to learn how to breathe. I didn't know you could forget that one. I didn't know you could either. What, really? Yeah. Wow. What is the, how do you, what is the learning curve? How do you like, what, how do they, how? Well, apparently you're supposed to breathe with like, it's better if you fill 
like the part of your body that moves is supposed to be your belly and not like your chest. Okay. Chest is like shallow breathing. So they're because... thinking to like take deep, like belly breath. Yeah. Wow, I and didn't like, know, I didn't know even like were... singers. Yeah, yeah, belly. like diaphragm breathing. Yeah, and apparently chest breathing is like really shallow because um one of the tubes um I think it was the breathing tube the first time damaged like my everything in like my throat yeah like I don't know the fancy words Larry. like the thing that closes to control your air uh let me think of that. I can remember what from like grade 11 science um larynx yeah maybe probably yeah I, th- I feel like yeah uh, that sounds sort of right yeah. yes disclaimer we're not scientists we don't know we're, we're just we're just people so yeah you you're listening i don't know what i'm saying i could be right could be wrong but i think larynx sounds sort of correct trachea maybe trachea maybe 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 that also sounds crazy. Anyway, so all that like super yeah. damage. Oh. So like it wasn't fully closing. Yeah. Which is part of actually interestingly why when you're in a coma for so long, they give you a tracheotomy. So yeah. the tube that goes through like the they create a stoma in your neck. Yep. And the like the machine breathes through there because the machine the the tube down your throat for so long is harmful. Yeah, the muscles swell and then you can't breathe because the tube is down there so long. Yeah, yeah. Fun! I'm so glad you got to go through that journey. It sounds like such a fun time for you. Yeah. Oh, it was super fun. Coma, absolutely. Ten, 10 out of ten, 10 would recommend. Would do again. Recommend yeah. it to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so there was the, the the brain injury is like my main disability and then slowly there's like there's cognitive issues that stem from that thankfully I feel really lucky that I don't have a ton of like cognitive problems like my memory's intact there's a lot of like memory gaps usually. Yep. And like my judgment, I'm not a risky person. Um, but like things like that, you can often they're the big ones. And then, yep. but also because your brain controls everything, it's the worst organ. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> right? God damn it! Yeah. So like. It it controls, it controls your muscles. Like your muscles don't control themselves. So I have I have hemiplegia. So half my body, because the brain is divided into halves. Yeah, which is cool, but also not cool at all. Right? Yeah, I know. I totally get that because like yeah. one half's great and the other half shit. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. So one side got real hurt, and that's reflected in my body. Um, so like essentially cerebral palsy without the diagnosis. Cool. Well, as somebody with the actual diagnosis, um, let me say you, I think you should be an honorary person with CP. I mean, I don't know. 
I don't know what it would take to to make that happen, but but since I am the ambassador of people with CP, because of course I am, then I think you should you should be an honorary member. Well, thank you. I'm glad to join the club. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and how like you've talked a little bit about and how has all this played a role in your day to day life? Um, I'm. So, I guess my biggest day-to-day thing, I stopped doing PT a long time ago because that I didn't find that was helping me much anymore. But, like, I still go to the gym and, yeah. like, I see a trainer there because they sort of work everything. So, it's, like, a step beyond PT, essentially. Yeah, so it's, like, PT with a sprinkle of, like, personal trainer in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. So that's really progressed. Like my walking is, I've gotten like a lot more stable. Nice. I can I can walk. And like standing in place is is like the hardest one for me. It 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 hurts and like I hate it. Well, then so I'm like, really glad that I can't do it because it sounds awful. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> I don't recommend it. So with all this stuff, like, so you, you know, aside from just the physical stuff, how has it impacted you? Like emotionally? Um, so you remember when COVID hit, like when lockdown hit and everyone was suddenly devastated that they were lonely. Yeah. I wasn't really phased because the years before was like my deepest like recovery times. Mm-hmm. My accident was in 2016. And I was so, I was so used to being alone by then. Like I lost friends, I lost so many friends. Yeah, let's let's talk about that a little bit because I know you might, you know you put that in the farm there. What has it been like for you? What is what was that loss of like friendship like? Can you kind of elaborate for us like what that feels like and the kind of the effects of that? Because I, I think a lot of disabled people deal with losing friendships and deal with maintaining friendships and deal with all this stuff around ableism. And I'd love to hear more from you. Yeah. So the the weirdest one was like my lifelong best friend like since like grade five we've been best friends and she was like call me anytime you want to get away from the house but now I'm I'm expected to reach out to you I'm going to expect you to drive and I'm going to expect you to go to your expect us to go to your house like that's I can't possibly ask that of anyone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, and all these things that, like, you... And, like, did she understand that it was a traumatic brain injury? Like, there's no... You can't... Um, no one really understands. Because, like I said, the the way TV portrays it... It's like, like you're just, all of a sudden just, you're Meredith Grey and you wake up and you're fine. Yeah. Yeah, on TV, it's just a convenient plot point. 
yeah to get you out of the way for a while and then you're boom perfectly <laughs> exactly what you were and yeah. you're really not perfectly exactly what you were and so you know talking about friendships like was it like your friends expected you to to be perfectly exactly what you were and you're not you obviously you're not it's yeah oh yeah I was I'd begun a relationship uh like a month before the accident and he had sort of been like no I'm gonna stay I'm gonna stay even though my parents told him like she's not gonna be the same and then when I woke up and I wasn't the same he didn't like it and that's when he left it makes me so angry because like obviously it's not your fault and like yeah what you know the fact that you're alive should be people should be like jumping for joy about that simple fact the fact that they now have to kind of get used to a new person like so what you figure it out deal with it she's alive she made it through like a traumatic brain injury we should be celebrating that as opposed to like getting mad at you for for something that isn't your fault like it makes me the able yeah and like, like it's just one little thing that's changed for all of them but all of me has changed it's for your me. whole life yeah yeah and i think like the ableism makes me just angry hearing that because it's like because everybody says exactly what he said like i'll stay i'll be there don't worry i'm gonna be a stand-up guy i'll be around and then when shit hits the fan there he goes yeah the second it, it the second it gets hard he's out like were were you angry with that? How did you feel when that happened when he like peaced out? I I was really hurt and my the way I dealt with things, like emotionally hard things, my entire life I was a crier. And suddenly I couldn't cry. It's still like really difficult for me to cry because brains are weird like that. And so I couldn't really even grieve it. Like, I wanted to be upset and I didn't know how. Yeah. And wow. So when you to say you had to, like, learn everything, you literally had to learn every, wow. Like, everything, yeah. How to cry again. Did you have, like, real question. Did you have to learn how to cry? Was there, like, did you? Um, I can, like... Your body making tears is sort of a natural thing. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I had to find other ways to deal with my emotions. Like the emo Yeah, the emotion around it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's so, I think it's fascinating. And when I say fascinating, I don't mean it in, like, a, oh, you're so, like, cool, fascinating. I just think it's fascinating how we don't often hear from folks who live through traumatic brain injury or we don't often hear from them, period, and to hear... The kind of the reality of what it was like coming out of a coma and that it's not just like oh I'm fine again is I think so important yeah it's it's so weird to me because like traumatic brain injury is such a like the amount of people who sustain one is an astronomical number yeah but like before I had one I didn't I'd never heard the word before and most people don't know what it is and they haven't heard the word before. Yeah. How does it differ from acquired brain injury? Because I know what acquired brain injury is, 
But what is traumatic? Yeah. What is the difference? So acquired brain injury is more like a stroke. Okay. That so it it you didn't have one and now you have one. But like with a stroke and with acquired brain injury, it came from your own body. Yeah. Traumatic brain injury. So I was a car crash, like um a large fall. I know someone who fell off a cliff and she has a brain injury. Wow. So it's an event um external from you, something yeah. like well then I do know I don't something. want to read like use the same word. I don't want to use traumatic, but like something that would something that causes like trauma bay in a hospital trauma. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it makes me think when I was a kid, I had a gymnast friend of mine who was older than me and he he ran a gym and he like took me around and made me do stretches and did CP stuff with me. And one day he was in the gym and a pile of wood fell on him. Like, and he sustained a traumatic brain injury. He's okay-ish now. But I remember that as a kid being like, wow, that's really, and I remember being so afraid of it. Cause I was like, I don't know. I, like, I don't know if he'll be the same. And he wasn't the same. He changed after the accident, but like, I remember hearing TBI and not knowing what that meant. It's like, oh, it must be a brain injury, whatever. But like, yeah, now that I think back, now that I think about that, like it happens to so many people, but we don't often hear from people living with it. So I appreciate that you're here. Thank you. Um, I, I, I like spreading like awareness about it. Yeah. I probably don't do a whole lot, but like, I like the idea of awareness getting out there. Oh, no, it, it does a lot, and it's so important. And I think, like, I think like the more we talk about it, and I, that's why I love having you on right now, because it's just something we don't talk about. Talk to me about, I'm just looking at all the things you have here. Tell me a little bit about a few of your other diagnoses, because there are so many here that I'd oh, love yeah. to just hear from you how they, what they are and how they impact your day. Um, so like there's, I forget even the exact words. I believe there's dysphonia on there because talking, yep, like with the, with the voice box stuff, talking was weird for a while. And even still, like my voice is lower than it was before the accident. I mean, and I kind of like your voice right now. It's got a husky, like, you know, a husky, sexy kind of vibe to it. It's nice. I'll take that. It's quite nice. Um, I like it. I think there was dysphagia, possibly yep. the the swallowing one. So, um, I guess it's sort of what leads to often again with like people with CP, the need for um a feeding tube as yep. opposed to eating by mouth because swallowing is hard. Um. Swallowing is I, hard, and there's a sex joke in there that I'm like, re, I'm re, swallowing is hard, but I like I like swallowing hard things. It's such a conundrum because I, because as somebody with CP, I have the same. The running joke that I always tell people is like, look, I'll probably go out choking on something. My only hope is that I choke on something that I enjoy. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, but so my my biggest problem is if I relax too much, yeah, I will choke on my own spit. 
hot. <laughs> so if you're like, so if you're sleeping, you could choke on your own spit then. Um, sleeping, it hasn't happened yet, but it's mostly just like relaxing on the couch, watching TV. Okay. And like, I'll be cuddling with my boyfriend and then all of a sudden I'm coughing and dying and gasping for air. So fun. So just sexy, like little evening in you're hanging out with your boyfriend all of a sudden you're choking and dying gasping for air it's a, it's a fun thing for him to do for him to, right for him to, I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure he loves it so hot um so how does let's shift gears a little bit because how does your partner would tell me all about that tell me all about your new your well your your part i don't know if he's new but he's new um from the first one yeah he's pretty years. new yeah um he mostly just kind of like lets me do my thing and like the choking things i'll like i know i'm fine he's he's obviously concerned and like we had to postpone this recording because last week i have um what do i have what's that word Meniere's disease yes there we go (laughs) you know my diagnosis and i don't (laughs) so i was I have this like unique form of Meniere's that it won't last for like hours. Some people just last for like a couple hours. Mine lasts for like, I was out for a week all last wow. week. And what is Meniere's again? Uh, so it's, it's based in the inner ear. Uh, and, so, like, the thing that controls balance and... So it's, like, really intense vertigo? Uh, yeah. So it's vertigo, um, there's there's nausea, there's often vomiting, and then there's, like, there's often migraine symptoms, too. So, like, That's sensitive so to light, fun. sensitive to sound. Yeah, so I just sleep for a whole week, and I'm like, Yay! I mean, thankfully, I'm on medication now that stops the dizziness because that was the worst. Oh yeah, I can imagine. God, that would be. I don't. I don't never like being dizzy. As a kid, I used. I mean, the only. This is not at all the same, but the only like comparison I have to me being dizzy when I was a kid, I used to go outside and I used to spin my wheelchair around really, really fast, and then I would get dizzy, and I hated the feeling of being dizzy. So I can't imagine like having that constantly. I would be really upset. I don't know if this is an experience that everyone has, but like when I have a fever, I feel like I'm like you can just be laying in bed and you feel like you're in like an anti gravity machine. Oh, like the thing you see, like astronauts in training, the thing like spins them all which ways. Oh, the G force thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm in that. And that's just what i feel that's my nearest feeling mostly fun so fun sounds like you have a smorgasbord of like joy you get to manage that sounds great that right? sounds so fun for you um now we used to be a sexy podcast so i want to ask you a couple sexy questions if i could um, okay how does all of this impact your like intimacy and sexuality and your body that kind of stuff um that hasn't super changed like for me a lot like 
having sex um, pre-injury and post-injury. Um, I get, and I'm having heterosexual sex. Um, being on top is hard because my body struggles with like repetitive movements. So I can't bounce myself and like hand jobs, which I'm, I'm convinced nobody likes those anyway. Cause why would you have me jerking you off when you could jerk yourself off? That's how I feel about giving hand jobs. Also, I feel the same way. Why would you, why do you want my gimpy hand doing it when you could just do it yourself? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just can't do the movements so like either i also can't do the movements so i'm glad we share this in common because let me tell you there have been times when i'm with a dude and we're doing things and things are good and then he's like do it and so i go to do it and i'm like oh my hands are spastic like sorry and then you can see them get annoyed you can see them be like fine i'll just do it and it's like well but sorry i want to i just can't yeah right exactly like yeah yeah um, so yeah, I'm being on top for me is hard too. So like, there's no way I can do it. I'm definitely, what I like to say is I'm a dead starfish when it comes to positions. I have one move and it's dead starfish. So like everybody has to get on top of me cause I can't do anything. And then, so what I say about that is I can't walk, but I sure know how to use my mouth. Yeah. You, you use what you've got. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and thanks for delving into like the sexy bits of the podcast. Uh, one of the things that I know you want to talk about on that you put in the forum that I think is important is the social perils of using mobility equipment. Well, with people who don't tell me about that. Oh boy. So, uh, the thing I really like about, power wheelchairs i don't have one i don't have a manual but the thing i like about power wheelchairs is that they can raise so yep. then then the wheelchair user is eye to eye with the standing folk yep and which is so important like i you don't even know how important that is because like so often um like when you're when you're with a standing person, you have to like um, look up. Yeah, and like talking to other people while you also have a standing companion. Yeah, they they talk standing person to standing person as if you don't exist. Yeah, exactly. And the one I hate is being pushed in my wheelchair, and it's not even necessarily the lack of control. Although I also don't like that. It's that um, if, and like even if you're in the wheelchair and you're with walking people, like yeah. say walking down the sidewalk, they walk behind you. They never walk with you. It's true. Or they walk in front of you, but they never walk beside you. Yeah. And then for some reason, when they walk beside you, they're like, oh, we're racing. And it's like, no, we're not racing. We're just, I just want to walk with you. We're not, it's not a race. I just want to be. Yeah. Like, like we're, we're together. I want us to be a group. And this like makes it hard for me to hold. Like, not that I've ever gone on a long-term date because yeah, right. But if I ever did, it would be hard for like me to hold someone's hand because like, I got to push the wheelchair, hold your hand, try to go. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. 
Yeah, yeah. And you should, if you ever do get a power chair, and I hope you do if you want one, um, know that, it, that you can also raise them. It's great for blowjobs. I mean, just because that way you're right at, you're right at the right level to do that. I mean, manual chairs are right there too. It works. It's true. Yeah, right at the right at the blowjob spot. Um, true. Uh, what other things about about mobility aids? Do you or do you have anything else about mobility aids? Um, so I use as my ability to walk has become stronger and stronger. I use arm crutches, and even just with those, like, I don't even feel it anymore, but a boyfriend, a few boyfriends ago, he was like, he felt weird when we went out in public because he was like, everyone is staring at us. And you were like, and yeah. I mean, yeah, so there's that, there's yeah everyone's staring at us if it happens long enough it'll just like that feeling wear off and then yeah. there's, a, there's sort of the thought of like ableist society why do y'all need to stare yeah like see but is, now is looking at me going to tell you something yeah is it gonna make you feel better about yourself like why, yeah, why like, do you... is somehow my presence gonna help you remember your grocery list <laughs> Next time someone stares at me, I'm going to say that. I'm going to say, excuse me, it's like you're going to help you over your grocery list. <laughs> but I think, too, like, part of me is like, you know, I get that. I get the feeling around staring. But the other part of me is like, I want you to stare. Good. Look at me. I hope that looking at you, like, makes you realize two things. How ridiculous you are looking at me right now. How ridiculous it, how ridiculous it looks for you to be looking at me like this right now. And also... Then when you're in a wheelchair, do you want anybody to stare at you? <laughs> like, when it's yeah. your turn, will you want that? Probably not. You'll just want to live your day. And it also felt weird to me that this boyfriend had said anything to me. Because it's not like I can control it. Yeah. and well, That, to me, for you, sounds a bit annoying because, like... He's saying that to you, like you can do something about it. Yeah, like it's oh, just all staring make me feel at me. Bad uh, that you don't like how we feel when we go out in public. Like I can't change this. I might if I could, but I can't. Yeah, like they're gonna stare at me regardless of what I do. What What do you want me to? How How do you yeah. want me to do this? Like we can we can leave the crutches at home. I'm gonna walk real funny. People are yeah. still going to look. They're going to look, you know, regardless, like, I might as well be comfortable while they look. And so, like, when people stare at me sometimes, because they do, and so usually I'll be out walking somewhere or going somewhere or going to the bank or doing an errand or something, and I'll have my headphones on and I'll be blasting, like, Taylor Swift or something, and I'll just be having the great old time, not caring that you're looking at me. And, get, and like, if you're going to stare, I might as well sing the top of my lungs, because, like, I might as well just enjoy myself. So the next time someone stares at you, just belt out your favorite song and just keep going yeah give them something to stare at like i just think that it's i can't believe we're in 2024 and we're still talking about why did someone stare at me like that's it's so it's such a shame that we're still we still see disability as this like 
skeptical thing we have to stare at. Yeah, it's bizarre. It is really bizarre. It's like, it definitely is like, oh. Like, we're not in the 1800s. We're in, like, 2024. Don't stare at me anymore. Yeah. Uh, I, so once we were at, uh, I was sitting in the car. Yeah. Um. While whoever I was with ran into the store, and the um, we were beside like the wheelchair spots, and a guy in a wheelchair, um, he rolled up to his vehicle, and he it was a it was a van and it had been converted to like it had like a ramp, yeah. Like an, an automated ramp. So instead oh, nice. of like so a long the ramp, it was just, yeah, he will, yeah, it yeah. lifts him up and he goes in. Yeah. And so I was watching the whole process. Cause I'm like, this is so cool. It's just so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And at the, right at the end, he looks over and sees me and I'm sure what it looks like is staring. And, <laughs> and I've always like, no, felt no, no, bad no. about that. You're like, no, no, I'm like, one of you. I want to just say like, you're cool. Yeah. Can I open the window and be like, no, no, no. It's, it's it's not what I meant. I mean, you can. And if you ever if we ever see each other out, because we're we're both in Ontario, if you ever see if we ever see each other out and you see me getting into a van, you're both welcome to stare and think how cool it is. Yes, please, please go ahead. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, Beck, is oh, where did it go now? I lost it. I had it, now it's gone. Wanted to ask you about your experience with ableism in professional workplaces because oh boy. I know and I remember from the first time we recorded yeah. I know you have a story about this and I'm ready to hear it again yeah so um it's quite a few years ago now but it's since the accident since my disability and I before the accident I had started my post-grad in uh, early childhood special needs. Mm. The program itself is called special needs because they're all, it's so much more respectful. I don't agree. Yeah, I don't agree either, but okay, sure. Yeah. I think that that one's more for the parents. Yeah, I've yeah. discovered that's, that's who likes the term special needs. It's yep. the parents of disabled children yep. who just can't wrap their head around disability. And also to cut them some grace too. Like they, when they were raising their kids, like when my mom was raising me in the eighties, that's what they told her the term was that she was like, okay, that's the term I'll use. And that she's, and you know, my mom has kept that term out and she doesn't say it with any malice doesn't say with any like upset so I just let her say because I'm like all right I know you're not like hurting me so I'll just it's, it's fine yeah and also I think it's part of I don't know if you've read the poem Welcome to Holland by Emily Pearl Kingsley I have um so that whole experience about expecting a child and having all these hopes and dreams and then uh you're presented with disability and it's it's a very ableist thing that like all your hopes and dreams were quite ableist yeah and that the conflict 
So I use, I'll use special needs, like talking to those parents. Cause if it's going to soften the blow, like I'll, I'll give it to you. Yeah, yeah, and it's going to make it easier for them to digest. Sure, well, sure. Yeah. But I would also be like, yo, parents, the term has changed now. It's okay to say disabled child. Yeah. So, like, I love so much. I've met um, a mom on Instagram, and her daughter has CP. And she listens to disabled adults. Good. So like she she only says her daughter is disabled and like disabled adults who like make different recommendations about like just different things about life. Like she yeah. listens to them and you can tell her daughter is so happy. Her daughter is like living the good life. That's great. That's so awesome. I think we need more parents who are willing to who are willing to um what do I want to say I don't want to say this gently because I know parents are listening parents are willing to recognize their own ableism and be like oh let me change that behavior let me like tweak that a bit let me yeah. ask my disabled kid what they want and like in their defense I guess they've only had their able-bodied experience yeah. But then listening to the sort of disabled elders. Yeah. Yeah. Who yeah, who have the the different experience that the same experience that their child is going to have and giving them the best giving the child the best life. Yeah. That and they just, can. Listening, just listening to what the child wants. Maybe yeah. if you ask the child, the child might say, Yeah, special needs is fine. And you know what? If the kid wants that, great. The kid wants handicapped. Great. Like I know, I know disabled folks who will use the whole every gambit of term that that there is, and some of them I don't agree with. But you know what? I'm like, it's for you. Go ahead. People probably listen to this show, and I call myself, you know, your delectable cripple, and people go, oh, cripple. Don't use that term. Like, but it's for me. I'm not using it for me else. And like people have. Speaking of terms I use, let's get into it for a minute. Um, I've been using the term severely disabled more frequently to talk about my experience because my disability is changing and it's getting more involved and it's getting a little bit more severe, I would say. And people are like, well, I don't know if I can like your stuff now because I'm not severely disabled. And I, I was like, well, but I am. And that's what I'm talking about. And so people, it really depends. It's so like personal, the terminology. And so that's why I try not to get too mad at the parents because the terminology can change like that. Yeah, and it's it's not like they're using it maliciously. They're not saying yeah, it to exactly. people to be harmful. Even like way back, my grandfather is an amputee from World War II. Cool. So he, the word that was always used about him was cripple. Yeah. And like, that's the word my mom used because she didn't know any better. And it's the word that he gave her. So she was like, okay, great. Yeah. And it's not like she's ever using it maliciously. Yeah. Yeah. I've had it used maliciously on me when I was like 14. I went to, I went to a summer camp for all disabled kids. I don't know if you 
I don't know if when you were coming up, they had this camp. It might have been closed by them, but East Seals camp back in the day, they had a summer well, camp. They, I think they might still have it. They have it for like a very specific set of kids now, but back in like the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, it was for everyone. So like every type of disability, now it's like for a very specific set of kids. But anyway, I I went there in the like late nineties, early two thousands, and one of my friends there one day got in a fight over something stupid. And he goes, "You're a cripple," and I went, and I remember like being upset about it because at the time I was like, "Well, this is a bad word," and I was so mad about it. But that's part of why I use it now to take the to take the stigma away from it. Yeah, you're owning it. It's your word now. Yeah, it's mine now. So like, I think that people can. People can say whatever they want. We we got off on a big tangent. Now you were saying you work in early childhood education yes. for these kids, and yes. So the program uh, I started before my accident. That's actually why I got in my accident. I was driving home from class one day. God damn it, school! Look what school does. Look what school causes. School's so bad. Nobody should go to school. Yeah, school's done. The worst. So, um, so anyway, after the accident, I was able enough to go back and finish up the last couple credits I had. And the teacher was the first semester, because I, I split it up, or I'd split up into two years. Yeah. And the first teacher I had, um, she didn't sort of like address anything i was just there oh that's great and you'd think it was great hold on oh no there was definitely sarcasm in my voice i was like that's great she just didn't advise you or help at all no no there was definitely sarcasm there yeah oh okay sorry that was that's just me that's okay no 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 um it it was definitely not great it was not great (laughs) it wasn't great so um there is, based on, like, the program it is, there's one of the placement options is a program within the school. It, it was Humber College. Yeah. And the program is called CICE. I don't know what it stands for, but it's, like, intellectually disabled adults Yeah. can go to college and can have the college experience. Well, that's important and great. Good for you, Humber, because I don't think I've heard of them before and they're they part of the program they're assisted and so in the um childhood special needs program um it's not necessarily childhood but you can be like anything yeah but it's there's a base on like like it's it's based a little bit on like early childhood there's like we we did a seminar about like seating and positioning and different stuff but so you can you can still work with adults yeah so that's one of the placement options is you can work in the CICE program and so based on that the entire class thought because I was going to class with my rehab therapist because I still had a fresh brain injury yeah uh my the entire class thought that 
I was from the CICE program. So they were treating you what? They treated me like, not like so bad in the sense of like, they're not throwing things at me. They're not throwing garbage. Yeah, yeah. But like the condescending, like, you know, the way yeah, you'll yeah. hear the people tone talk, you use like, when you think someone is quote unquote dumb or quote unquote below you. Like, hi, how are you today? Oh, yeah, how like, are you? Hi, yeah. sweetheart. And they'll lend they'll they'll bend down and they'll over accentuate and it's just and they didn't take anything I took seriously. Like I'm not trying to like boast, but I think I'm pretty smart. Yeah. And so I'd say valuable things in class and they would completely discount it. I mean, there's so much ableism there and there's so many layers of that just in the statement. Like, first of all, for them to treat you as less than is horrible, but for them to think that it would be okay, even if you did, even if you were with the intellectually disabled class, like, why do they think that that's okay too? Like, Intellectually disabled people can say important things and have important viewpoints. And, like, why are we not? It's gross. I don't like that. Yeah. No, it was it was not great. Um, Then eventually one day, I was so sick of it, I'd ask the teacher. I was like, am I allowed to talk to the class about, like, who I am and what I'm about? And so I did that. And... Unfortunately, like I I wish I'd done this differently now when I look back, but there's a point because I was in my wheelchair. Mm -hmm. I was like, there was a point where I was like, I'm no different than you. And I use the example, I can like I can walk, I can stand. Yeah. And so I, I stood up, which why do I have to like prove my worth, my ability for my body, like Oh, no, it's so ridiculous, but I totally understand the, the impulse yeah. of, like, you're in this room of, of what you see as able-bodied students. They're, they're not treating you well, and you want to use anything you have at your disposal to be like, look, I'm just like you. I totally get that feeling, and I think that's totally valid. Yeah. Anyway, worst part, I stand up, they all clap. Oh, no. <laughs> they all clap. Oh. Didn't they do that at the Emmys the other day? I think they did that for Christina Applegate at the Emmys because she has MS and she's like a, you know, she went on stage with help from somebody to present an award or something and they clapped and she apparently said something like, you don't have to clap for me. It's it's all right. Like, they, I'm here. I got it. Yeah. Like, I'm only doing exactly what I'm capable of. Yeah. Like, this is. This is this is not cheerworthy. But to be fair, if I stood up, you better fucking believe I'd want somebody to clap. If I if I all of a sudden got out of my chair and stood up after never walking, I would want somebody better clap. There better be a moment of like excitement. Yeah, I do. I'm kidding. It's a joke. If somebody with if somebody who's a part time wheelchair user or a full time wheelchair user stands up and claps and or stands up and you clap, that's don't do that. But if I do it, clap. I feel like I'm not telling this to the justice that I told it last time. Oh, it's okay. Um, it totally works. 
to, to be fair, it's been a couple of years. It's it's drilled down yeah. my brain. Anyway, the next year, uh, it was it was a different teacher, and I know specifically her son has she, one of her sons has some sort of a disability, and I guess more in like the modern world, he's not that old. So she addressed the class. She was like, "This is Beck." She is smarter than all of you. She is smarter than any of you. Oh no. I actually like this because they were like, oh, she like she was like, she belongs here. She's not anything. Okay, good. Good. I was good. And then she she let me talk and I got to throw in. She was like, now do you want to say like a little something? And that's the point where I was like, oh, okay. You want me to address the disabled elephant in the room. and like it's that like that shock value that i feel like everyone knew i was like i'm i'm on your level this is yeah like i'm i'm one of you i deserve to be here so fuck right off yeah that kind of thing yeah but also that whole experience made me fear so much for how intellectually disabled people feel going through life and like are they aware that people are treating them so condescendingly like do they you know because i'm not sure what their grasp on the situation is and i'm i'm so worried that they feel they don't feel good and they feel condescended to i talked to somebody on the show their name was martha probably about a year ago, we talked about their experiences being intellectually disabled and going to college, and she knew. She was fully aware that people treated her a certain way. Um, that makes me so sad. And she was like... That really breaks my heart. She was like, I don't care. I'm going to be happy anyway. Um, and I'm going to do my... going to do my school, and I'm going to do my stuff. And, like, basically, she didn't say fuck. She was way too polite. But she was basically like, fuck those people. I'm going to do my own thing. So I think that... I think intellectually disabled folks know and if you're listening and you know an intellectually disabled person that wants to come on the show and tell me their experience and i'd love to hear from them because i we need more of that because i too when i was growing up i would look at somebody with intellectually disabled with intellectual disabilities and i would think which is totally ableist and wrong i would think well at least i'm not like them which is a horrible thing to think but we all have this like misconception around intellectually disabled people and we need to be reminded how ableist that is yeah and like when you think about it like my experiences of placement like and being with like children with down syndrome i was in uh, a segregated special ed class which which they don't have a lot of anymore thank goodness because when i was coming up that's all they had it was, and like they still went to like integration. Some 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 of the kids went to integration. Yeah, and like it was a really good environment. Like it was, we was almost one on one. There was an EA for like it was like two to one. Yeah, and I just remember the little boy who had Down syndrome. He loved life, and like. He was so happy and he was hilarious. And 
I really love Down syndrome. So it's like, I have a hope one day to, I don't know if it's going to happen because of so much like red tape with, with adoptions, but I would love to adopt a baby with Down syndrome. That's awesome because that would be really cool because you understand disability to a point and they, you know, they need homes and they need somebody to care for them and they need somebody who understands it. And I think, I think that's awesome. I think that's a great idea. Thank you. Um. Oh yeah. So what I want to segue to something you wrote on the form that I think is really hard to talk about, but I think it's important. And I'd love to ask you about is you said on the form that you, you have this feeling that you should have died in the accident and how you navigate how you yeah, navigate so, like that feeling. Can we talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's like super weird and conflicting because there is parts of me and maybe it's depression speaking, but like recovery was so hard and it, mostly it was recovery and how hard and weird that was. And it's, it's probably depression speaking. There's parts of me that think I would have rather died, like, in the accident. Yeah. And then, but at the same time, there's also parts of me that's like, I love my life now. It's completely not the life I ever expected to have. It's definitely not in line with the life I thought thought and dreamed I would have when I was abled but like I, I love this life do you as somebody who went from from being able-bodied to so traumatically being disabled do you I know that a lot of people who go who kind of traverse that space so quickly do you grieve that life do you do you like miss that do you wish that you had it again. Mm. Not even really. I guess because there's there's a memory part that I don't. I've always kind of had the feeling like I don't know what else I'd be doing right now. So. Like, when I was going through rehab and I woke up in the hospital, like, I don't know what else I could have been doing right now. I'm, I'm doing this. And, like, um, like, the ableism streak. My mother always thought that being in a wheelchair would be the hardest part for me. It definitely wasn't. Like, my legs were never the reason anyone was friends with me before the accident like why should my legs have any bearing on me now i mean i think we found the title of the episode my legs were never the reason Sony was my friend <laughs> perfect amazing uh um and so how you, we talked earlier a little bit about friendship and losing friends what has it been like making friendships now um I don't try very hard 
<laughs> so there's there's not a lot of well my my friends have changed really from like in person friends yeah to like online friends so yeah. i have one of my very best friends she lives in denmark cool she also has cerebral palsy i didn't know that about her for a long time the best of the palsies is cp the best so she we're we we speak almost every day it's awesome and like but i agree with you i think like online friendships are so valuable and we don't like i i speak to my friends who are only a couple hours away in, in ottawa when i can't go there i speak to them daily we're on we're on facetime and whatsapp daily talking to each other so i think digital friendships are just as valuable as like in-person friendships yeah oh yeah and there's like i don't know maybe it's from the when we grew up we're still going through the shift we don't realize they're as important as they are and like yeah. they're as real as they are but they're totally real like well i think for I us think too about, sorry go ahead i think about my friends like on instagram that i somehow ended up in like an eating disorder recovery circle and i'm friends with some of those people and like my life would be missing something if they weren't there. I think that's really cool. And I think that like having um, having one disability allowing you to kind of learn about another disability or another experience is so cool. And I think I think that more disabled folks should learn about other disabilities and learn about other experiences. Cause I think we have a lot of ableism within our communities that would be really removed if we just would learn more about each other. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't necessarily have an example to like expand on, but I, I agree. And I, Oh, I do have an example. I'm ready. So once Again, while I was recovering. So I'd met this guy on Facebook. He had spina bifida. And he, we were talking and talk. we talked every day. We were basically dating. Cool. And then at one point he said, I like how you're not like, I forget what he said. It was either too disabled or like disabled, disabled. Oh. Which is the weirdest. I felt so weird. I don't love that because I am. I did not like that at all. I'm definitely too disabled and I'm definitely disabled, disabled. So what? Like, I don't even. One, you're you're like the same level of disabled he was the same like roughly the same level of disabled I was like how yeah. and like it just it doesn't change anything. It, it shouldn't change anything. Like 
And my example again is when I was a kid, like looking at intellectually disabled folks and being like, well, at least I'm not like them. Like, why would, like, what? And now that I've grown up and like become an adult and realize that that's a horrible thing to say, like, don't. They're a person, they have feelings. Why would you say that? What? Yeah. And like, what did you say to this guy when he was like, oh, I'm so glad you're not too disabled? Yeah, it was it was it was a very weird feeling. Like I'm 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 gonna be as disabled as I am. Thank you yeah. very much. I mean that should be on a shirt. That we we could make a million dollars with that as a shirt title. I'm gonna be as disabled as I am. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's a shirt right there. Right there. Amazing. I'm gonna um, make those prototypes. I'm not even kidding. We I will and we should do we should do we should do shirts and I will well, the first one was swallowing is hard, but I like swallowing hard things. Shirt. Um, and then I'm going to be disabled as I am. Thank you very much. Shirt. <laughs> Amazing. I'm writing those down. Do it. Do it. Um. Oh, yeah. On your form, I wanted to ask you about, you said you hate the phrase... Everything happens for a reason. Tell me why. Okay, so um one sec. No worries. Beck is writing the unimportant short things right now. That's why there's a Slow. You can edit that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, so it was said to me, sort of before the accident, when I was complaining about a crappy life circumstance that was totally not my, like, totally not my fault, but I ended up dealing with it anyway, and. Complain about that. Somebody said to me, uh, everything happens for a reason. And then after when I woke up, I was almost to a degree like perseverating on that thought, like everything happens for a reason. Because there's no way. And like Especially that crappy circumstance was indirectly what led to the accident. Because like I said, it was in school. I'd had to drop out one year, which I was, was the crappy circumstance I was upset about. So then I was in school again the next year, which caused the accident. And it's it was sort of like, it was tied to like the whole thought of like, the whole like God wants you to be this way sort of thing. Yeah, and it levels with inspiration porn. Like Yeah. No, this didn't happen for a reason and no, I'm not gonna become this saintly disabled person that you need me to be for your own well being. Like it fucking sucks. I'm disabled now from a traumatic event and I hate that. Let's let and let that be what it is. Yeah, and sort of like 
the thought behind if everything happens for a reason, then you're supposed to be like this. You, your accident was supposed to happen. This was supposed to happen to you. Some great overarching higher force thing, yeah. planned specifically you at this moment needs to, this needs to happen, which is just so hard and weird and horrible to think. Yeah. And I can imagine like, they didn't say this to you in your recovery, did they? Uh, no. Thank goodness. Cause I would have, I would have been like, get away from me with that. No. Um, but you know, I think a lot of, I think a lot of people with, with dis acquired disabilities and disabilities that came on quickly have probably been told the same thing. And I think we need to recognize the ableism in that because it's okay to be like, you know what, this should never have happened, but I'm here now. But like, let's not put some cosmic karmic thing on it to make it, to make us feel better. It is what it is. Yeah, it, it absolutely is what it is and like it's maybe a bit nihilistic to think but sorry the world has got to be random and meaningless like nothing is planned yeah it, like, it is what you make it yeah i'm sure if you had a choice you could go back in that moment you wouldn't be like let me get into a car accident right now so i can be this savior for the world I'm like no no you yeah. just live in your day and it's frustrating that People put that on you. Yeah. Um, I had so much fun chatting with you. This is such a fun, chill afternoon. I had such a good time. I have run out of questions for you. I have no more questions left that I was going to ask. Do you have anything else that you want to share that we haven't talked about yet? Um. Sure. I have one thought. Yes, so I think I mentioned on the sheet. I had said, um, my my dream job that I don't that I don't think exists is sort of my wish would be um, that you could, like an ADA enforcer, that if you just happen to be anywhere in the world and, or like Ontario, it's the AODA. Which is, I guess you the know, ADA is the American one. Yeah, but all of these, all these programs are poorly enforced. And, you know, we live in Ontario, Canada, which means yeah. that a year from now, all of all of Ontario is supposed to be accessible by 2025. It's a laughable, it's laughable. Like, that's not going to happen. Right. And I, I wish, my wish is that there could be, like, just uh, AODA enforcer agents who could go around, like, and I wish I could be one, that anywhere I see, you then write up places and give them essentially tickets yeah for how for what accessibility things they're missing yeah and i think um, i think there should be three like gradients to that first is like a nice warning the second is like okay can we help you make this better how can we help you what what resources can we give you to make this accessible and then number three is like okay you didn't fucking listen to us here's a fine thanks yeah there yeah i like that Anyway, I recently found out that organizations can pay for uh, an AODA assessment, 
which seems, it feels ridiculous to me. So if you want to know how accessible you are, you can pay someone to come and assess your place. But what, that, yeah. I feel like that defeats the whole purpose. This should be like, like should it should just... be like the ministry, like when I worked in childcare, the ministry of, I think it's education, comes to the childcare and searches through all the documents and looks in all the rooms and they enforce it. Yeah. And, and like, you been, have to comply. I've why isn't it being accessible? Why isn't why isn't that enforced? Why do, yeah. why doesn't the world have to comply? And yeah, I'll say that I think when they made this ruling in Ontario, they made the AODA in two thousand five, so literally literally nineteen years ago. When they made that, they were like, oh, yeah, well, we're not going to be in office by then, so it won't affect us. Bye. Like, when they wrote that, the people that wrote it aren't in the office now. They've retired and moved on. So, like, it doesn't affect them, so they didn't care. I think it was done with such, like, without a realization of what they were actually doing. It was done to make themselves look good as a ministry, to be like, look, we have this on paper. Look how great we are. But in reality, no one's doing it. And can you imagine the jobs that it would it would create? For the disabled sector of like, oh, we need a disability enforcer here. We'll pay you twenty bucks an hour to go around on to go around your community and like gently enforce this. How great would that be? Yeah, that would change everything and it's gonna actually make everything accessible versus like I'm sure when they drafted it, they were like twenty twenty five, that's not a real year. Yeah, yeah, it's so long away. Like we'll figure it out by then, sure, but we're still like we're still fighting with subways in Toronto being fully accessible. Like we're still fighting with wheeltrans being fully accessible. Like what, like it's just a shame that we're 19 years on and we're still talking about why isn't this fully accessible? Yeah. And I know for the American listeners, like the, the ADA is the same thing. Like you, you have 31 years of this law in America that's supposed to be overarching and great. And Americans with disabilities are saying the same shit. And it's just a shame. Yeah, it sure makes you feel like we're just an afterthought. They wrote the bill to me nice and we're just, we don't really matter. I mean, that's literally how it feels sometimes, literally. But let's not end on that sad note because we could, let's end on a happier note. Beck Brock, um, what brings you disability joy? What brings me disability joy? Being what brings me joy is getting to exist just as I am. When I'm allowed to be as disabled as you need to be. Thank you very as much. As disabled as I need to be. Amazing. That is a I think that's a great ender right there. That's perfect. Um Thank you so much for being here today. It was so fun. I could sit down with you forever. You've you just a pleasure to sit down with you. Uh, how do the people get a hold of you if they want to follow your social media? How do they do that? Uh, so I only have one social media because it's hard to keep up with all of them. I don't blame you. I am at Furious Blanket Fort on Instagram. Cool. I will make sure that that is in the show notes. Bang Brock, you are our... You are my third recording of 2024. Yay! Yay! Amazing. 
thank you so much for being here and thanks for being on the show and we will talk to you soon. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to talk to you, Andrew. I would love to have you on again. We'll figure it out. Okay. Okay. We'll do Bye. that. Bye. All right, friends. Well, there goes another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories with me, your host, Andrew Gerza. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to my social media, Andrew Gerza 6 on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, although I never use it. If you want to follow my website and find out about my speaking opportunities, my gigs, and ways to have me come to your event, go to www.andrewgerza.com. If you want to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark, and you can get the show days early, completely ad-free, and a shout-out on the air. So if you want to support the show, you're able to do that, and please, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. It really does help shows like this about disability, which are very rare, get supported. Thank you so much for being with us, and stay comfy, cozy, and crippled. Until next time, bye. Copyright notice. Disability After Dark was created, recorded, and produced by Cripple & Co. Productions and Andrew Gerza. Any and all use of materials, graphics, audio recordings, etc. cannot be used or distributed without express permission. If you would like to use an episode of the podcast or license an episode of the podcast on your website, please consider emailing Andrew Gerza and Crippling Co. Productions at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Copyright 2024.